Hi, this is Daria Politan, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, episode 134 for October 25th, 2022. Well, today I have the privilege of bringing you an interview with someone who is an award-winning playwright, author, and accomplished TV showrunner and executive producer, plus she created and was the showrunner for the Netflix limited series Devil in Ohio, which debuted at number one and ran in the Netflix global top 10 for three weeks. Welcome, Daria Politan. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. And well, we will cover Devil in Ohio later, later in the interview. But first, I want to find out more about how you got to where you are today. I was really interested to see in your bio that you had already traveled to several several continents when you were a kid growing up. Um, yeah. Talk about that experience. Um, so my father was born in Egypt. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, his family ended up moving. Um, his sister moved to England. His uncle moved to Switzerland. His brother moved to Canada. And so and eventually my father moved to the United States. Um, and so we had family in all these different places. So we grew up, you know, going to visit them, but also my, my father was in the travel business and, um, my mother liked to travel. So we, um, uh, we went to South America, Central America. I went to, uh, East Asia with my mother when I was a couple of times, but before I was two years old, um, wow. And, um, and then, so, you know, I just kind of had, we lived in India for a little while when I was a teenager. Um, my father eventually retired to Costa Rica. Uh, I went to school in London for a while. My sister lives in London. So I, I just grew up with a very kind of, um, international background and, uh, loved traveling and different cultures and, you know, food. <laughs> um, so it's always kind of been in my blood a little bit. Mm -hmm. I love how normally you speak about these things. Oh, yeah, India and Costa Rica, <laughs> the things that are so exotic to, to hear of us, um, to those of us here now in uh, North America. Um, so, so I always I thought I always was like, you know, it's kind of weird growing mm -hmm. up. You know, like traveling so much. But now looking back, I really appreciate that um, those experiences and I um, th that they were unique because they were they were normal to me. Um, mm. So I, I I appreciate that sort of you know global perspective mm. becoming part of my my world. Uh, so I do I am grateful for those experiences. Yeah, and and your education spanned several continents as well. I mean, you completed residencies with London's Royal Court Theatre, Center Theatre Group, the Echo Theatre. You earned your BFA from Boston University and MFA from Columbia University. Talk about all that time. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I I I I grew up in Boston. I um, ended up going to college there. Uh, I studied theater at Boston University, um, where I actually went to school with Emily Deschanel, mm. who I worked with again in Devil in Ohio. Um, so so we knew each other. Um, I moved to New York. I uh, Oh, well, I, I studied in, um, at London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. Um, and then I, I moved to New York and I worked as a playwright and I uh, produced and 
wrote plays in a group called Ensemble Studio Theater, which was a group of emerging playwrights under 30. And, you know, we just made stuff. We, we, we did down and dirty theater. We put mm -hmm. it up for zero dollars, you know, a um, lot of glory, had a blast, uh, really fun, really scrappy uh, yeah. storytelling. And just like, uh, you know, we did it. We did an exercise where uh, it was called asking for trouble mm -hmm. <laughs> and you pick your actors out of a hat, you picked uh, like a, an object to, for your subject out of a hat, you know, which could be like a song or like a physical object. Um, and you had, you know, one week to write the play and they had one week to uh, rehearse it and put it up. So wow, fun stuff like that. Um, and it's interesting, a lot of the people in that group are now TV writers out here, Liz Merriweather, Lizzie mm -hmm. um, Fortenberry, Jihan Crowther, um, Eli Clark, uh, you know, Annie Baker, Amy Herzog. Like it was pretty, pretty incredible um, artistic home that mm. I found there. So that was really great. And it did kind of prepare me for um, TV writing a little bit in that, in not being precious about things mm. because there can be, you know, on the precious side, you're spending a lot of time rehearsing something and you really um, get, get time to dig into stuff. But like the way we did things was like fast and scrappy. And like, if you couldn't find something, you figured out something else. And that's a, a little more how TV <laughs> actually functions. It's yeah. you be, you know, thinking on your feet and pivoting and making adjustments and changing lines on the fly, whatever, you know, whatever needs to be done. So it did prepare me for that. Um, mm. And then one of my plays, they produced one of my plays uh, at, at the bigger stage there and it did well. And I said, I, th I think I should go to grad school and really study playwriting. So I went to Columbia and I did the, um, the grad playwriting program there. Mm. And while I was there, I ended up optioning a play to um, one of the Viacom teen networks. It was called the N Network. Mm. It's actually not around anymore. It was kind of before its time. It was like right before the YA boom. And they were trying to age up their, their Nickelodeon audience was like growing up. And they were trying to find stories for them, you know, pre-CW, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and fill that kind of like young adult area. Um, and, uh, and so I wrote a pilot for them and they ended up, the, the company ended up folding, but I really piqued my interest in TV. Mm. And it was also a time um, in TV when there started to be a lot more stories that were dramedies, more character based, um, you know, some of the great HBO shows and Showtime mm. shows were, were, were coming out then. And I was like, oh, I think I could actually do this, you know, whereas I had, you know, more grown up with like straight sitcoms and then, you know, procedural dramas and, mm -hmm. and neither of which I felt I, I really fit in as a writer. So, um, so it was a so it it uh, writing the pilot really piqued my interest and I thought I really gotta just you know come out to LA and give it a try and but I was really in in New York and I was really a New Yorker and I you know was very embedded in the theater scene there and so 
Um, but I came out here and I loved it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, and I, you know, connected with friends who had started coming out here and yeah. I was like, this is amazing. Like, it's wonderful. <laughs> like, yeah. Really exciting storytelling. Like, you know, TV at that time was, a, you know, this was like 2010, 2011, like was really starting to expand. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very exciting to be moving into something and, you know, sitting down with executives who were looking for new voices and new ideas. And while I still loved the theater at that time, post um, 2008, you know, financial crash, like it was not an expanding medium. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, it was almost contracting a little bit. Those opportunities were, um, there just was not, very many of them. So, uh, so, so TV really felt like a, an exciting place to be. So, um, I moved out here and I was a writer's assistant on weeds. Mm -hmm. And then I was a script coordinator on Dexter. And, um, by then I was like developing my own projects and I got managers and, um, was starting to write pilots. Um, and, and then, were those um, off of, were you able to use some of your plays as sample material or, or were you already writing TV yeah, specs and pilots? Both, both. I, um, I'm trying to remember. I did have a play that I started out with that had, you know, some kind of snappy TV type dialogue. So, mm -hmm. and um, character work. So it was a good fit for TV. Not, not every play is a sort of like a good fit for TV. Although you're not always reading it for that. You're, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you're reading just to get a sense of someone's voice and it might not be a very TV, you know, ready type of dialogue, but they're very inventive or they have like some, you know, a way with language that's really exciting. So it's, so there, there isn't only one way to have mm -hmm. like good, playwriting sample but then I eventually I know that I needed a, an original pilot so um I did have a spec I had my good wife spec mm -hmm. which um very quickly was not not the, the, the spec uh the whole interest uh dwindled um mm -hmm. but uh, but it was a good exercise to you know that's how I started writing specs of other shows like watching them absorbing mm -hmm. them getting my brain and in, into them and then you know coming up with my own idea about them and i think that um helped me a lot once i did get on a staff i had practiced that mm -hmm. skill of going inside someone else's vision and helping to tell that story because that's what your job is when you're on a staff it's to help the showrunner tell their vision of, of a story. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me how you landed that first um, staff gig. Um, I had a friend who was a, a writer on it. Mm -hmm. And she said, and I had, I had put the, I had come out to LA for a few months and just to like connect with people and take any meetings. Um, and uh, put the word out that I was looking for a writer's assistant job. Like I didn't, I could have staffed too. Like obviously I wanted to staff, but I, you know, thought it was a little bit easier entry point, 
you know, to ask people for um, help getting a writer's assistant job. Mm-hmm. And I also knew that I, w- I wanted to be in the business for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you know, I'd see, seen people come out here and, and get staff jobs and not really know how to manage them or didn't mm-hmm. really know how to function in the room. It's very, very different from, you know, sitting by yourself and typing a play, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a very different process. So I wanted to also get my feet wet and learn how a room worked. So, um, yeah, actually, I, uh, my, my friend um, had, you know, told me about it. I, I submitted a resume and, um, and then I was actually in Louisville, Kentucky. I had a play, a short play at the um, Actors Theater of Louisville um, Humana Festival, short, like just a short play. And, um, and, um, they, and they called me and they, and it was like, it was like a Wednesday and there was a snowstorm and they called me at weeds and they said, Oh, can you come in for an interview on Friday? And I was like, <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just, you know, I was like, if you build it, I was like, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm here. And I, I got on a plane. I came out mm-hmm. here. I slept on a friend's floor on a blow up mattress. Her downstairs neighbor came home at two in the morning and like blasted music. He worked in a restaurant and it was like, <laughs> it was like my worst night of sleep ever. But I yeah. and. And I'm, I'm a person who likes my sleep. So it's like, but you know, I just like stayed very focused. And so anyway, yeah, that's how I got um, my first job. It, it wasn't, it, easy. you know, it takes, it took a lot of, a uh, lot of networking and, you know, and uh, con- connecting with people just to, to get that uh, job. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a very hard job. It's, it's not an easy job um, at all, but, um, but I learned a lot. And then, I did one season on that and then I really wanted to be on a, um, hour long. So, mm-hmm. um, I would, I, again, through a friend, you know, heard about the script coordinator do- job at Dexter. I had done a little bit of script coordinating at weeds. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I did that. And that, then that was like TV writing grad school. That was like, because they did, two, two page story areas. They did 12 page outlines. They did, writers and, and you know and then the scripts and they did writers draft producers draft and studio network draft it was mm-hmm. showtime so it was the same you know they just bundled those but like and i proofed everything over wow. and over and over so i really absorbed you know the process of um that probably really helped me um particularly uh like an outline mm-hmm phase, you know, of, of the process because I just soaked it up, um, so much. So, um, so yeah. And then, uh, and then I did another short, uh, I did another writer's assistant job for Moira, Moira Wally Beckett, who, um, had just come off Breaking Bad and I did, uh, worked on her show Flesh and Bone, um, which was wonderful, really small room. And it was, um, other playwrights who I knew from New York. So it was a very oh. friendly, a warm room for me to, mm-hmm. 
you know, not, not every room is it appropriate for a writer's assistant to speak up, but this one was, you know, every once in a while when I had that really, really golden nugget idea and, mm -hmm. you know, the room was kind of stuck, I could, you know, pitch that and, um, and that was welcome in that um, situation. So that was a great um, step for me. And then, um, and then the producer, uh, I, Melissa Bernstein, who worked with Mark Johnson on um, um, Breaking Bad. And so I knew, you know, through Moira, mm -hmm. she was producing the show Shut Eye. And, um, and by that time, I, oh, so Flesh and Bone was going to maybe go another season and I was getting staffed on it. And so that's how I got my agents. And then it didn't happen. And then the agents were like, okay, well, <laughs> just, just write something. We just, we need a new pilot from you. Like, you know, just, just give us a new piece of material. I was like, cool, no pressure. <laughs> like, no. Everything rests on these 60 pages. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've gotten so far and I, um, you know, I, so I worked and finally got staffed on, um, shut eye, um, mm with that new piece. So it took me a long time to break in. Um, yeah. So how many years would, would you say that was between you first, when you first arrived in LA and when you staffed on Shut Eye? Um, well, I first sold the TV show to um, uh, the, the Viacom network in 2007. Then I started coming out to LA in 2009 and 10 you know, for a month or two. And then I moved out officially in 2011 and I staffed on Shade in 2015. That's You'd be surprised to, to hear that's actually relatively quick. Uh, I know lots sure. of writers that are at least 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I was, a I was, I was a playwright since I was, you know, since I was 21. So mm -hmm. I was writing and, um, you know, so I, it, uh, yeah, it took, it took a lot of, it took a lot of work, a lot of, uh, hustling, a lot of writing, a lot of, um, meeting people and just pushing myself f harder and harder on the page just to mm. get what I, what I knew I could do to get that on the page in yeah. that, in that sample. Uh, so, so yeah. And then once I started working, I, I, I haven't stopped. I just, mm -hmm. I just kept, kept going and I would just take, you know, not, not take everything. Well, early in my career, I just said, yeah, I'm like, yes, I, I finished shut. I, 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 I pushed very hard to try to get on Jack Ryan cause I love that mm -hmm. series. And then during the break on Jack Ryan, Paramount had another show called heels at stars. I was like, sign me up. I did heels and then I went back to Jack Ryan. Like I just, I just said, yes, I just kept moving. Cause I just wanted mm -hmm. to like, keep going. So, yeah. um, so I did. So I've worked on, I mean, I've worked on about tw 12 shows in or 12 seasons in, in 10 years. Wow. 10, 11 years. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> <It's been> a <laughs> <lot>. <laughs> that is a I'm lot. Tired. Well, tell me about tell me about those um, first couple of rooms, like Shut Eye and Jack Ryan. What was it like to to finally be on staff? Um, 
the and and how were the rooms different? How how did you find that time? It was so exciting. Um, Shut Eye was a very small room. It was just five writers and a really wonderful um, writer and, and journalist um, was our uh, staff uh, uh, writer's assistant. Mm-hmm. And it was very, it was like three EPs, you know, it was Les Boheme, who's an incredible writer and been around, um, Greg Walker, who's an incredible writer and showrunner, um, Patty Breen, who wrote on Frasier, you know, like it was all stars. Um, mm. And um, uh, and another wonderful writer named Tom Pabst. Um, and because I had been in three rooms, I I knew what to do. And I could swim instead of sink because it was the big mm. leap, like fast. And it was it was fast. And it was like to to have the confidence to to be to pitch and to get stuff in that was like, you know, it, it, it's like a moving, <laughs> I don't know, train, and you gotta like stay on the train, you know. Yeah. Like, so um, so I was actually, I was really grateful for my sort of training um, and uh, and learning and absorbing um, in the other rooms leading up to that. I. I, d- I don't know that I would have known what to do um, as as well uh, if I hadn't had those experiences. And I also always really paid attention in whatever room I was in, you know, early on, like who who was really landing their pitches mm-hmm. and how? How were they, you know, like everyone has their sort of own way of, throwing an idea out and I I really kind of honed in on those people that I thought were kind of like my style like and I and I um I really tried to learn from them and mm. it feels a little awkward to to start to um this might be a bad idea but let's just try you know like when you started <laughs> kind of yeah. specific language that you kind of find and um but um, but yeah, I just I just was like a sponge, I, and I mm. paid a lot of attention, and I listened a lot, and I would do my homework. I mean, I would go home, I would um, reread the notes for the day. I would actually would do that the next morning before the room. Um, but I, I would do research. I would look for articles. Like one of the great things, or one of the things that's really helpful when you are a lower level writer is to come in with cool articles, uh, a documentary that you found on this thing that we were talking about, um, this wild movie that is related to this character, this book that you read over the mm. week, like, to kind of bring that stuff in. It's a really great opportunity um, to bring things to the table because at that level, you're just not gonna, you just don't know how to, you know, pitch out a whole arc in the way that the upper levels will know how to do that. And that's fine. You know, Mm. and that's not your job, but where you can be, you know, besides, you know, contributing in the, in the room talking about story is helpful with time. Right. Cause that's the other thing you, you might have that um, some of the upper level people don't have the showrunner 
is is working all day in the room and then they leave the room and then they're working all day and before and during lunch on all the other stuff they have to do. Yeah. Probably the other EPs are, you know, jumping on the phone about their other pilot at the at the network, you know, at the studio. So so what as a as a staff writer, even writer's assistant, definitely as writer's assistant, um, story editor, executive story editor, like really bringing um, information in and cool mm. stuff is so helpful and so valuable and a really great way to contribute that no one's going to tell you to do, you know, and um, but also is a great way to contribute you're not stepping on anybody's toes you know like it's really um and it's really helpful for the rest mm. of the room like it's it's like kind of filtering you know because because the thing that's the most valuable is time right like we don't have enough time to read all the books and do all the you know we do research but like if someone can say oh this chapter of this book was amazing you know mm. like it's so helpful um so i did a lot of that uh which 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 worked well for me. Um, so from Shut Eye, um, the other great thing about that um, was that I got to produce mm. uh, up in we we uh, were in Vancouver, and Melissa Bernstein, who was the producer, she knew that I had worked in the theater for a long time and produced theater and knew how to be on set and in rehearsals and all that. So she fought for me with the um, studio and the network to cover set and I ended up covering three episodes uh, as a staff writer. Wow. Yeah, because of course the EPs, they, they want to be home with their family. They don't, yeah. they, they'll go up for a few days, but they, they, they have other stuff to do. But I was very happy to, you know, stay in a hotel and go yeah. to set and like work with different directors. And um, I, I loved it. And it, I didn't, I didn't know how unique an experience it was mm -hmm. because the business has been changing so much. It's now very difficult to get set experience, um, yeah. especially in the cable streaming world. And that show was for Hulu. Um, so yeah, she had to fight for us to stay and uh, me and uh, the uh, Tom, the story editor at the time. Um, but, uh, but no, we, we got to produce our episodes and very and, cool covered some other ones. So that was really, really valuable. Um, mm -hmm. Then working on Jack Ryan um, was a dream. I mean, I, I lost was like, made me like network TV, you yeah. know, like, it was like, so character driven, yet yeah. still the plot was, you know, whatever. Sometimes the, the polar bear maybe didn't satisfy everybody, but like, was so inventive and fun and like the procedure of it was great the storytelling was so amazing so um and i loved the 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 jack ryan um characters i grew up uh you know my my father came from egypt in the 60s and 70s and you know was obsessed with like american movies so i grew yeah. up watching those old movies um and you know the american action heroes and so um so I loved that and I uh, worked very hard to get that job. I did a lot of research and I, I happened to ha also have the right sample, uh, uh, which was actually a play that corresponded with the storyline that they were looking at doing. Mm. So that worked very well. Um, 
And, you know, I had some insight to, to, to another character that, that was helpful for that team. And, and in that room was really great. It's, you know, every room is a little bit like special teams, right? Like you have, you know, you're, you know, we had like a ex CIA analyst, we had, um, a journalist, we had a guy who wrote for 24, we had uh, an amazing British Pakistani, uh, British Bengali writer, you know, like, like, we, we just had all these like people who had different experiences, Hmm. and brought that to the table. Um, And so that was really exciting. It's, it's really exciting when you're working on a show, like before, before you get into production and before all the other elements come in and it's just a group of writers and coming up with stories and writing scripts. It's so fun. So yeah. um, hard work, really hard work, very rigorous storytelling. So that, that was another thing that I learned, you know, from Carlton is, and Graham Roland who co-created it and is a good friend and incredible writer, um, you know, really thoroughly 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 breaking those stories mm. re-breaking breaking you know like really getting those outlines you know really solid because it's it's jenga you know mm. and things, things will move in production for of course just because of production you know so it's like really getting everything every kicking the tires on everything vetting everything as much as possible um, in that process, because once the ball starts rolling on production, it is just crazy town. <laughs> like it's so <laughs> hectic. So, yeah. and then you're having to adjust things because of production or an actor or something. So, um, I, I, I'm, I'm a big uh, proponent of very, very thoroughly breaking story and and really making sure outlines are really, really rigorous and, mm. and blueprint um, for the episode. There's, you don't really have the luxury of like finding it on, finding it on the page in TV. Um, I know some people still do, particularly people who come from f- film who are running shows and maybe haven't had that, that sort of TV, you know, training uh, of of that but then and i worked on some of those shows and they're and i know they're not thoroughly broken but i'm like all right i'm here for 20 weeks you know (laughs) over you right on set you know good luck to you (laughs) god be with you yeah you know so everyone has their own process um so um my process leans toward what i learned from carlton and that really rigorous breaking process mm, very cool uh, i do want to get to devil in ohio um as quick as we can so let's just maybe not skip over but um you had uh, uh castle rock and condor um you were a uh, co-producer on castle rock and supervising uh, producer on condor or how'd that work they're, they're out of order because of when they actually came out um mm. i did uh Jack Ryan. Then I did Heels for Stars as an executive story, uh, story editor. Came back to Jack Ryan, did executive story editor. Then I did uh, Condor as a supervising producer. I did um, 
uh, Castle Rock as a co-executive producer, mm. and then um, Hunters as Hunters, a co-executive yeah. producer, and then Devil in Ohio. Yeah. Very cool. So, so signposts at that time, um, what did you learn sort of at the higher levels? Now you're sort of starting to mentor people and, and that yeah. kind of thing. It's interesting because your, your role kind of starts to shift when you get into the mid-level and then, you, you know, you don't, um, and then, and then upper level, you know, whereas at the lower level, you're kind of like, pitching an idea or a scene or an element for a character, excuse me, once you're um, coming uh, up to the mid and upper level, your job is it becomes more to synthesize the ideas and pitch out a sequence, pitch mm. out an arc, combine that cool thing that that show that that staff writer said and the cool article that the writer's assistant brought in and you know make some magic out of it so mm. you um and that's how your muscles grow i mean i remember like kind of feeling those muscles working and growing as i kept um you know, progressing and, and again, really keeping an eye on ear on those people who are really good at it and learning mm. from them and absorbing like, wow, how does he do that? How does he like, like some people pitch something in the room and you're, and everyone just is leaning in, you know, it's mm. like kind of um, just trying to learn um, what, what works well. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, mentoring, you know, uh, reading uh, other writers, young, you know, the, the staff writers or story editors, or, you know, like if they have a script or if they want to like pitch out an idea before they bring it to the room, you know, that, that becomes, um, something, um, to help with. Um, but again, even at the upper levels, you're still, your job is still to help the showrunner tell mm. their vision and that also can become more challenging as you are upper level and you have your own stuff and you have your own ideas and you think well i wouldn't do that i would do this <laughs> you know, new challenges of like okay like where, where are those boundaries you know where where can you sort of give your honest opinion and then where do you just kind of you know say okay this is your show like let's go you know we're, we'll go with that great you know and just get mm. on board you know so it's it's interesting how it uh you know it's on things come up mm -hmm. very cool we're gonna take a quick sponsor break and then we'll be back to talk about devil in ohio drivingfootage.com provides 360 degree driving plates for film and tv over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California, with over 100 new cities from the U.S. and Canada coming in 2023. A fully equipped camera car with height-adjustable rig is available for custom shoots. Visit drivingfootage.com for details. AVgearguy.com uses state-of-the-art technology to bring new life to old films and videos, like the Lost Betty White series, Pet Set, which they recently restored for its 50th anniversary. They can apply the same technology to your documentary, film and video archive, and family videos. Visit avgearguy.com for details. 
Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person videos to you. So now I want you to tell me all about Devil in Ohio. Um, you wrote the book first. Um, tell me how that's how the story came about. So um, I had written a pilot about a cult. Mm. Um, uh, and um, one of the managers at the management company uh, I was at, she wasn't my particular manager, came to me and she said, I have this story and um, you need to tell it and you should okay. write it as a book. And I had actually ghostwritten two young adult novels um, out of grad school mm -hmm. because I graduated from grad school with the degree in playwriting. And I yeah. said, okay, how do I eat? <laughs> <laughs> And I got a job ghostwriting for Alloy Entertainment, and I wrote mm. two books for uh, one of their New York Times bestselling series. So I had some experience in this young adult uh, writing world. And so she told me this story. She says, you know, this girl escaped from a satanic cult with a pentagram on her back, and her psychiatrist takes her home. I was like, mm -hmm. no. okay, well, I've got to tell this story. So yeah. Um, and it was, you know, it's inspired by a true story. Um, we've gone, um, you know, it's fictionalized, um, to, uh, it's not a biopic or anything. Um, mm -hmm. so just to free ourselves up creatively. Um, so yeah, I wrote the book. I actually, I sold it off the first hundred pages and a pitch. I actually sold it right before I got shut eye. Cause I was wow. trying to like get a shut eye. Cause that was, that was a while back. Yeah, 2015. Hmm. And then I, I sold it. And then I was like, I had to write the rest. And then I got really busy. <laughs> TV. <laughs> so I would like write it on my lunch break in the morning at night. Um, so when I finally finished it, it came out in 2017. And, you know, we always knew we wanted to adapt it for screen and, mm -hmm. um, you know, get to kind of dig into the story more. And I actually originally sold the, the to um UCP uh, and um, the book and um, really wonderful executive there, Nick Ziegler. Well, now he's become a, a writer in his own right. Um, and um, and then we took it out to networks and um, and Netflix was just the right fit. Like they mm. just got it. The executive there, Lisa Hamilton Daly, who's wonderful and is not there anymore. Um, but um she just got the show. So it was like very exciting. Um, so Netflix ended up buying out UCP um, there, you know, um, as an active producer. And um, so the process, you know, took years. I've sold it in 2018. It takes months to do the deal. We maybe started our first kickoff meeting in 2019, you know, <laughs> wrote a few versions of the pilot um and uh the, there were regime changes meanwhile at netflix and you know meanwhile i just kept staffing and kept going and um and then um uh in 2020 actually i had a baby mm -hmm. and then uh, 
two months later, Netflix was like, okay, it's time. We're going to make your show. And I was like, <laughs> what? Oh, right good. <laughs> I had all this time for yeah. so many years. <laughs> um, so I did it, you know, and in that way, the pandemic was probably helpful in that mm. I could work from home and um, be close to my son. And, um, but it was hard. I mean, mm. I, I went into, I mean, just starting staffing, like we read me and Rachel Miller, who is, became my manager and producer, um, 400 scripts. Oh my goodness. For wow. staffing for, it was supposed to be four spots and I pushed to get a fifth writer spot. Um, and these were like pre-selected scripts. These wow. were recommendations or through managers or agents, you know, that were specifically for the show. So, but we, yeah, it was a lot. So that, you know, was two months of reading and then t meetings and um, it, so it immediately is like a ton of work. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, um, yeah. So, well, tell, so, tell me about because uh, this is this is the first time um, that you were in that role. What were you specifically looking for for this show? And and the people that you did land on, what was it that that told you that they were the ones? Yeah, great question. Um, sort of. I mean, I, I there were different aspects of each of the writers that I hired that felt again that's sort of the special teams hmm. like um our our um uh other ep andrew wilder had uh worked on procedurals for many years on criminal minds and um the following and uh secrets and lies and i really wanted someone um who had that sort of broadcast rigorous you know, story breaking, you mm -hmm. know, models and, um, and who also had a good sense of, you know, detective, I wanted to do the de detective character. So I wanted somebody who, who was familiar with that kind of storytelling. So, you know, that's what I was looking for that, you know, that he was really great for another writer is actually from Ohio and mm -hmm. grew up like in the evangelical church, you know, and had really interesting experiences. Um, and was also he, he was, uh, he was in the playwriting world, and I had met him, he was a, um, a dramaturg, which is almost like a development exec mm -hmm. uh, in theater. I mean, basically, they help synthesize story, and they help mm -hmm. the playwright like, um uh they also have a knowledge of theater history and stuff but so he had a wonderful brain for looking at the arcs looking at the themes you know mm. looking at a lot of that bigger picture um stuff so so again i was kind of like seeing what was coming to me but um finding people who had who kind of covered a certain area Mm. Well, um, I, I guess in, you know, reading scripts, what I'm looking for is, you know, you, you just, you read so many, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you just want to be engaged, 
and like you like your the first few pages like it's uh, your your sample is uh is 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 an opportunity to show off your writing hmm. and and show off your voice so you know when i see like so-and-so walks into the room well, I'm like, do they hurry? Do they hurry into the room? Do they saunter into the room? Do they sulk into the room? Like, it's an opportunity. Like, mm. and so if I don't see that in the first few pages, I, it's hard for me to stay with something because I'm looking for that mm. voice on the page. Like, I'm, uh, you know, you're, I'm not going to make your pie show. So, like, I'm, but I'm looking for voices to come, you know, interesting and energetic, and um, you're looking for kind of like an like an energy on the page, mm. storytelling that's exciting, that's engaging, um, and so so that's really what what I was looking for, and you can tell very quickly. It's it's, and I think people, I don't know if they are maybe told to kind of like keep it simple on the page or not, you know, be too flowery. And I'm not saying like, you know, like, right. Like, you know, highfalutin prose or anything, <laughs> you know, just like, like, what's your point of view put, I want to see who the person is mm. on the page and see their personality and see, hear, hear their voice. Hmm. Um, I think, uh, and, 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 and it's, there's surprisingly, those are surprisingly few and far between, um, even, even very accomplished people. Like, um, so that's what I look for. I mean, maybe other people look for different things, but hmm. when I'm on script 300 and, 89 <laughs> like, you know like it's like i want to um I, I just want to be pulled into it and and and, yeah. and enjoy the read the actual hmm. experience of reading it i want to be engaged yeah very cool so what um so how was that room did you write scripts ahead of shooting or were you shooting at the same time and what was it like to to run that room really for the first time yeah so um uh, most streaming now, you write everything, and they let most of the writers go, unfortunately, and mm. you try to fight to keep as many as you can, but often it's just one. Um, but sometimes people don't. I knew ahead of time to 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 ask for that, mm -hmm. and not and because a friend, a showrunner friend, had been like, make sure you get you know in the budget up yeah. front to keep someone on at least one person. And so I did that. So that was built into our budget, but I have other friends who didn't build that into the budget. And then they're in, they're, they're in production and they're having to do everything and they can't. And, wow. and then, and the studio then doesn't want to give it to them because they, it's not in the budget. Right. So um, anyway, um, I would have kept multiple people if I could, because, but it was also COVID. It was very, hmm. you know, that you, you couldn't have like extra people around, but um uh, so we wrote everything up front. Um, we, um, we had a very, um, we had a very tight 
production schedule, mm-hmm. extremely tight. Um, so when I found that out, I said, okay, uh, uh, I'm going to give you all eight episodes up front and you got to tell me anything, you got any problems, anything we can't shoot to the line producer and creative, any creative issues. You tell me now, because <laughs> start, this thing is uh, like the, the biggest like clock ticking puzzle ever. And, um, and it a lot of it was block shot. Um, mm-hmm. it, every, all, it was a block shot in terms of two episodes, but also by location when you're on a short shoot, mm-hmm. you don't go back multiple times to locations often. So everything for the church scene in the, in the, in the series all shot on one day. Wow. All the interiors. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it was intense. Um, so anyway, I, I delivered everything, all eight episodes up front. Um, because I also wanted our, um, production team to know where we're going. The show is mm. very, there's a lot of Easter eggs and things woven in and there's, there's a lot going on. So I wanted them to know the whole scope. I wanted them to know where, where we're going. And that way the, the costume designer can really design a progression for a character. Mm. Um, you know, Jules goes from being kind of dowdy to like dressing cool, better, <laughs> toward yeah. the, you know? Um, uh, then in terms of running the room, I had been briefly, the Hunter's room had turned into a zoom room. Mm-hmm. So I was a, had a little bit of experience that was a much bigger there was a lot more people in that room maybe 11 or 12 with with everybody um but um and this i had we had the six writers and i had our um writer assistant i had our script coordinator be in the room with us and i had her um run the board which was like Mm -hmm. a miro board and um, and i had my assistant also want you know wanted to be a writer include her in the room as well um so there were nine of us. Um, but uh, it's the, 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 the vocal real estate becomes even more precious <laughs> yeah. because really only two people can really kind of go back and forth, maybe a third voice. But it's very hard to um, have, you know, bigger conversations with a bigger group. So I developed a couple, you know, having kind of done, had a little bit of experience in a room. Um, developed a couple of um uh ideas for uh ways to make more real estate for people and i would do like a round robin you know so let's go around and everyone talk about you know or everyone like you know pitch your ideas for this and so Mm. we really made sure we we heard from everybody um because it particularly the lower levels will they'll go on mute and then Mm. they you don't hear from them and you don't hear their ideas and sometimes there's great stuff. So I wanted to make space for them. Um, Mm. and, uh, I also did breakout rooms. I, I very, uh, often would split us into two groups. Uh, Mm. so it was like, you know, three, three people in a room and, and with an assistant and, um, and, uh, that way they could, you could move more, you can cover more territory. Um, and um, so that was really helpful as well to mm-hmm. um, just break things down into into smaller groups. But it's hard. Zoom is hard. Um, mm. It's uh, 
you know, doesn't, I would do, I would do things like on Fridays, uh, like fun Friday activities, like I bring in like a sound bath person or a dance party person, yeah. you know, <laughs> try to do fun stuff like, yeah. To, but but again, we're all like sitting on our computers <laughs> in yeah. addition to the other sitting on our computers that, mm. that we all do. So um, it, it was challenging. Um, and uh, but um, and then, I mean, shooting in COVID in Canada at that time, it was like right around Delta, like was brutal. Like mm. we just, you know, very oh, great, great to have such strict um, protocols. Actually, we did not have one COVID case on set. Oh, wow. Yeah. We were very, very rigorous and, um, uh, but it supply chain was very difficult up there. You couldn't get, you could, you couldn't get anything. You couldn't mm. get uh, clothes, cars, food. It was really, really challenging. You couldn't cross the border to like yeah. run to target, you know, like it was really <laughs> very difficult um it was a very difficult time to 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 shoot but um oh yeah especially in canada i, I know one director who um like he he would go down to shoot an episode but he would have to quarantine for two weeks before he shot the episode and if he if he would have alternating episodes he just would stay there because he couldn't afford he couldn't did literally didn't have the time to quarantine again again when he came back Totally. Yeah, we started right when that stopped. Luckily, mm. we were planning for it. And then luckily, they dropped that right when we started. But wow. we still, you know, the cast, we, you know, they actually, we, we only had four uh, US um, actors, uh, everyone else was local. Um, so mostly everybody just came and, you know, stayed, stayed put up there. Um, mm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I love the writer's room. I, I miss the writer's room, you know, looking ahead, like I'd love to figure out some kind of hybrid situation, maybe meeting in person outdoors. I'm very COVID conscious, um, but maybe meeting outdoors for a month or two and just get the, the vibes going and, mm. you know, some interpersonal yeah. Um, stuff going and then and then we can branch off more um virtually so it's this is pro you know going to be an ongoing process figuring out what that is and where people are comfortable with their you know with their health and mm. um, just going to be continuing to figure that out yeah very cool well we're going to shift gears a little bit um i love at the end of your bio, it mentions that you are drawn to telling engaging stories that explore the complexities of the human condition. Um, and you do this under your 1001 Pictures banner. Um, tell me about these stories that you want to tell going forward. I love psychology. I love characters. I mean, I think from my playwriting background, um, I just love digging into into characters and I study a lot of psychology and you know um I, I love when the people are the monsters you know mm. like that's um our you know our own minds and our own um unconscious um is a really interesting thing to explore so I I approach storytelling that way and I've worked in a lot of different genres and it kind of doesn't matter the genre to me. It's about the characters and that becomes their behavior. 
Um, I think in terms of the landscape now, there's so much TV, which is wonderful and exciting and so much storytelling. I mean, it's so cool. Um, but I, like, you know, the, the process of coming up with an idea, pitching it, pitching it again, pitching it again, <laughs> selling it, writing the outline, rewriting the outline, rewriting it, finally write the pilot. Okay, great. They pick up the show. Great. Okay. Then you produce the show. Okay, great. Then you do post for eight months. Okay, great. Like you spend like years, years and years and years, like two to five years on a season, one mm. season television now when if it gets renewed whatever is more you know efficient but um so so an idea for me has to really have a lot of depth to it mm. and be something that i feel is going to still feel like fertile ground three years later like you know and in five years am i gonna be psyched about like doing a press tour mm. you know you have to kind of really be that invested in an idea and you have to be so into the idea that you convince other people to give you millions and millions <laughs> of dollars yeah. for your idea so like it, it's a big buy-in and the first buy-in has to be you the writer mm. creator so um so uh I, I i really take seriously the projects that i take on because of the the amount of work and the investment that you know you, you sacrifice time with your family you work through the weekends you work late you get up early like it it's a lot of sacrifice to, for for these stories and mm. it has to feel worth it in some way for me i mean the other thing is um the why now has to feel important like you know it, um i don't do a lot on uh of of period shows but like if it is a period show like why are we telling it now like what like what twitter like we're on such like instant gratification um like very everything's right now everything's happening right now so mm. like how why why is why would people talk about your show like it has to it has to be able to kind of cut through that for me and and be a part of the conversation now so um or or whatever now is going to be in three years <laughs> you know like yeah. it has to feel um relevant and and uh and have have some some weight to it to um uh, for me to invest in mm. very very cool um and you're also a founding member of the kilroys an advocacy group for gender parity in American theater. Um, talk about that and also talk about um, the gender parity in television writing. Yeah, great questions. Um, the Kilroys uh, started uh, with a group of informally gathered uh, female playwrights, uh, female and non-binary. Um, and we were talking, there was a lot of talk in the, in the, in the theater uh, about, they had done a report about how many plays produced uh, were by women. Mm. Uh, and the, the number was about 20% wow. of all plays produced annually. At that time, it was early 
2000 teens. I don't remember exactly. Um, and, and we, it is a lot of, there was a lot of complaining about it. And, 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 and this group, we gathered in someone's living room and we were like, well, let's do something about it. What's the, pro what's the problem? Like, okay. You know, artistic directors can't find plays by like great <laughs> plays by female and non-binary writers. Well, why don't we make a list for them? Hmm. And we get the all like the, the nation's, you know, best dramaturgs and artistic directors and directors, to, theater directors, you know, to to nominate their favorite plays. And then we'll just list the top portion. And mm. then there we give we 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 dump them we place that list on the laps of the <laughs> of the you know artistic directors of, of the big theaters and and there we go. So um it really was a kind of um um uh I'm trying to think of the word like gorilla um you know uh move that that we did and we just uh we just figured it out it was it was very you know it's hard to run a collective of i can't remember maybe 15, 13, 13 people who all have their own you know careers and things um but we just did it you know we just figured it out and um we launched this list and uh we launched it in the new york times mm -hmm. and you know and we we got um great uh press and um uh, a lot of advocacy and and then we'd also do things like we did like a cake drop like honoring you know 10 20 theaters across the country with a cake for their great record in producing you know new plays by female non-binary writers so um we, we did stuff that was kind of subversive and um out of the box and mm. uh, bold and um we had no um, we, it was just some donations, you know, we didn't do a, a ton of fundraising. It was more, again, scrappy, you know, oh, I have a friend who can, you know, do this. Okay. I know a journalist over here. Okay, great. You know, like, and, um, and we, we just, we just figured out. And so we, we did it about five years and then we handed it off to a new group of, mm -hmm. uh, uh, playwrights to, to take the baton. Um, we also published, um, a couple of volumes of selections from the plays. I think maybe monologues. Um, mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it was a really wonderful way to kind of just participate in that conversation uh, positively and um, and take some action um, very very viscerally. Um, and um, I'm 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 very grateful for that uh, experience. Um, because it's brought it's brought a lot of great uh, attention to a lot of uh, wonderful writers. Mm. Uh, in terms of TV, uh, it's I think it's better. I mean, it was the the percentages of of well, actually, this my show was the first um, writing job. I'd been in a couple rooms with female showrunners as an assistant, but it was the first writing job uh, w with a female showrunner. Mm. me <laughs> I have you know in the other seven eight shows all male showrunners wow 
Yeah. And all, almost all majority male rooms. Hmm. Um, and mine was, um, actually, was it, I can't even remember. Uh, mine was, mine was more four women, two men. Um, so that was the first room that was also majority, um, female. Hmm. So, um, I know that's not the case for everybody, but, um, maybe because of the shows I type, you know, the sort of Jack Ryan and yeah. 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 And then, um, yeah, had, had, were sort of more male heavy. Um, but, uh, it's better. It's definitely, it's definitely better, uh, than, than the theater. Although maybe the theater is catching up a bit, hopefully. Um, I think the next area, um, is, you know, to keep empowering female showrunners, like, women in charge, you know, because there might be a stat, you know, there might be some more equity in terms of the balance, but a lot of time they're lower level and they haven't, you know, like the pathways, you know, haven't been as, as cleared for, Mm. you know, um, lesser heard voices. A lot of times they're, they're not as far in general in the pipeline. So Mm. then, they're not the person who the studio calls because they know the person who's done it before because they have they haven't gotten the opportunities um yet um so um i mean i had to advocate for myself to run my own show wow (laughs) years and years and years and years of experience wow you know i'm i i I didn't roll off the apple (laughs) truck like and I still had to have a conversation of like, I'm running this show. I know wow. how to do this and you need to let me do this. You know, so it's there in, in general, um, I, you know, this might get me in trouble, but like in, in general, like I, I feel like maybe men tend to more get the benefit of the doubt you know, and, and women have to prove themselves to get something. I I think there are studies about this as well. I know that there's, um, been some studies, uh, around this. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. I mean, a a lot of the film, and then when you go into production, it's male dominated. Um, and that's, can be tricky too. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a continuous, uh, exercise of, you know, balancing, um, kindness and empathy and strength and fortitude. Hmm. Yeah. When I started this podcast in 2010, um, I did a special few episodes um, highlighting the the situation of female writers at the time, and mm-hmm. there was a study very much like what you ref- referenced for playwriting, and the results were fairly similar in in television writing. And I've I've seen it improve some over the last twelve years, but not enough. Um, I have a daughter studying TV writing at USC now, and oh, cool. I I I, uh, I would love to see it improve more. <laughs> Yeah. 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 It's, 
it's the default in our culture. It's the unconscious bias that's, you know, backed by 2000 years of patriarchy. Mm. So it's, um, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just, I, I mean, look at our country and our world, like women are still fighting for basic rights. It's, mm-hmm. um, kind of crazy that that is a thing, but it's still a thing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I just try to do my part and, you know, continuing to uplift uh, voices and, um, you know, rally behind other women and do my best, um, you know, in my own little corner of the world. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, one, one question I always like to ask at the end is um, knowing what you know now, what advice <laughs> would you give to someone who is just starting out and wants to be a TV writer? Um, and that, and in today's industry. Yes. I would say the biggest thing is put your voice on the page. Hmm. It's gotta be on the page in those particularly right up front. Like, don't be afraid to be, have a, have a voice and your voice on the page. That's what I'm looking for and I think a lot of people are looking for you know put you on the page that that's the it's that's the trick that's what you know um girls right like you know those unique voices that are just like wow I like I want to know what your brain is thinking you know like so wherever um whoever you are like putting that on the page because that's what makes you special and um, unique. Um, Super practical things. I get a lot of scripts with no contact info on the front. Oh my. And no resume or bio. Like if, like if you, if you ever, if anyone asks for your script, always send your resume or bio. Like that those two should always go together because again, it's who you are. People are looking for who you are, not just like your writing and you, you are part of the product. Like you are the thing. And, um, so lean into that. Um, so that I think is the most important thing is getting, getting you on the page right up, right up front. Mm. Very helpful advice. Very helpful advice. Um, so just to wrap it up, um, social media contacts, do you have a Twitter? Do you have an Instagram? Yes. Um, I'm on Twitter, Daria Politan. I'm on Instagram, Daria Politan. I still have a Facebook. <laughs> just going to face that out. I do have an author profile on there. Um, but yeah, Twitter and Instagram are my chosen <laughs> drugs of choice. I don't know what you call them. Very cool. And I'll have uh, links for those in the show notes. Um, Daria, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Uh, this has been wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. 
That's it for the episode. You can find us on the web at tvwriterpodcast.com or at scriptmag.com. The video version of this podcast is available at iTunes, Podbean, or YouTube. The audio-only version is available at iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or Pandora. You can find me on Instagram at at tvwriterpodcast. Follow me on Twitter at Gray Jones is my handle. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.